Welcome to the Stonelaw Church Podcast. I'm Neil Watson. And whether you are a regular worshipper with us, or whether you just listen to this podcast, I pray that the, the words of the message would be a real blessing to you, and that it would bring you closer to God as you experience more of the love of Jesus in your life. So we come to week five of our sermon series, Faith That Works. We've looked at how James reminds us that tests and trials are inevitable in life. And when we find ourselves in those times of tests and trial, that it's, that it's easier to find ourselves in that place of being tempted away from God and to, onto other things. He's also reminded us that we need to get the, the balance right of spending time in, in prayer and reading the Bible and allowing our faith to be lived out, that it's not just an academic exercise, that it's something that we must be transformed and live our faith out loud. Last week, we were looking at the idea of not treating anyone as a favorite, that everyone should be treated equally, that God sees us as special, and therefore we treat no one as higher up or lower than ourselves, that we've not to put anybody on a pedestal, and that reminder that if we look down on anyone, it is only so we can help them back up. And this week we look at why it's important that our faith must be put to work. I've always, it's always really good to wrestle with that question of what is faith? And James goes some way this morning into sort of answering that in our passage. You see, for him, faith without works is dead. That faith must be a, a working model. That our faith should inspire us into action. That it's not something that we keep to ourselves. That we allow our faith to go to work. In the late 1800s, there was a, a, a famous French tightrope walker called Charles Blondin. And Blondin's greatest act of fame came in 1859 when he attempted to become the first person to cross the Niagara Falls on a tightrope. It stretched over 400 meters across the Niagara Falls. And as he walked over this tightrope, it's kind of 50 meters above the falls, he would do a different bit everywhere he was doing it. He didn't just walk over. He had little things that he did. He, went, he once did it in a sack. He did it on stilts, a bicycle. Did it in the dark. And he once even carried a stove and cooked an omelette while he was doing it. On one amazing occasion, he even did it blindfolded with a wheelbarrow. When he reached the other side, the crowd were applauding him. This was the most amazing thing that they had ever seen in their lives. Blondin stopped and he said, 
Do you believe that I could carry even a person over on this tightrope, blindfolded, and in the wheelbarrow? And the crowd were enthusiastic. They said, of course you could. You are the most amazing tightrope walker the world has ever seen. You can do anything. So Blondin says, okay, get in the wheelbarrow. To which no one even dared to get into that wheelbarrow. See, the thing is, faith needs to have at its real core a real trust. Or how about the man who desperately wanted to get his driving license? So before he goes for his driving test, he gets down on his knees and he is praying so strongly, Lord, you know that I need my driving license. Will you please, please help me pass? So the man goes on his driving test and unfortunately he fails. But a month later, he picks himself up and he tries again. And again, he spent a lot of time praying to our Lord Jesus. He asked for peace and, and wisdom that he would get a sympathetic you know, driving instructor, you know, somebody was going to come and test him. He asked for the weather to be wonderful, that everything would go well. The man went for his test, but he failed again. The next month came around and the man got on his knees ready to pray, but before he was able to, God's voice came booming from the sky. He said, I know that you're going to pray about your driving test. But before you ask me again, I have something to say. Can you please just get some driving lessons? Sometimes faith requires us to put our own specific action in there. So let's ask that question again. What is faith? These two illustrations highlight two types of faith. There's one which leads us to trust, and there's one that leads us to action. And we need to understand that there are both types of this faith in the Scriptures. The Apostle Paul, in his letters, he mainly focuses on that first type of faith. This is faith which comes not because we think that we are good enough, or that we, are, we follow a set of rules and laws, but that faith comes because we trust that Jesus is who he said he is and has called us into his family despite our many faults. James also believes in that type of faith, a faith which leads to trust. However, in his letter, he emphasizes much more of the second type of faith, a faith that will lead to action, James is very clear what he wants to focus on in this section. Let's just go through some of the statements that he makes in this passage. He doesn't hold back. Here is the first one. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? Or in verse 18, show me your faith apart from your works, and I by my works will show you my faith. And here's a real one. 
Verse 20, do you want to be shown, you senseless person, that faith apart from works is barren? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. Verse 26. When you put it all together like that, the message stands out in a way that can't be avoided. We must have a faith that works. Now, as we think about it, we might start to get a little bit worried. We might know or have seen people who find it easy to stand on a street corner, handing out tracts, speaking to people, engaging members of the public in conversations about Jesus. It comes totally naturally to them. It's most definitely a frontline evangelism that most Christians get stressed and worried about. We think we can't do it. Many of us don't have a faith that works in that way. But does that mean that we don't have faith? Of course it doesn't. Some people in, in Christian circles go on mission trips or give up their lives for missionary work. They're willing to, to completely sacrifice their own life in their own country to go and serve others on the other side of the world. Putting themselves in potential harm for persecution all because of their faith. Many times where there seems like there's little actually happening for the amount of work and the sacrifice that they've had to put in, but they persevere. They persevere with it and they push on. But if our faith doesn't work in that way, does that mean that we have no faith? No. But if we are to have a faith that works, how much work is enough? Well, James says in verses 15 and 16, if a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? The first thing to note here is that James opens up by saying, brothers and sisters, those are the ones that are in need. Faith being put to work can start right here in our church family. Those who are part of our Christian family, our brothers and sisters in Christ. You don't have to go and find someone who completely opposes your beliefs and try and turn them. You don't even have to be able to preach to them with words the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just start with people here in our church family, brothers and sisters who have the same belief as you do. The second thing to note about what James says here is that the nature of the, of the needs are, are quite basic. You know, those basic human needs. You don't have to go and build an, an orphanage in India or a school in South America. You don't need to have a family move in with you and take care of them. You don't even have to give up your, your car. By all means, if you are called to these things, those are amazing. We praise the Lord for the calling that He's put on your life. 
But James says, some clothes and daily food. Provide the people we care about with basic practical help. The thing is, as an aside, this daily covering can be in prayer. And the daily food might be in the, reading the Bible together. That we spend time with one another. That we're clothing each other in prayer. Protecting one another in prayer. That we're being fed from God's word together. The thing is, when we talk about these things, it doesn't seem all that unrealistic that we might be able to do it. It doesn't seem too hard to want to do this for a brother and sister in Christ. Yet for some reason, James finds the need to write to the believers to give them this reminder. For some reason, people just didn't seem to get it. James says that saying a prayer or encouraging words but doing nothing about it doesn't cut it. He uses the example of Abraham, someone who has great faith. And he was willing to allow that faith to go to work. This in true James fashion hits you. In verse 20 and 21 where he says, do you want to be shown, you senseless person, that faith apart from works is barren? Was not our ancestor Abraham justified by works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? And that event that he is speaking about happens in Genesis 22. A brief story of God asking Abraham to, to sacrifice his son Isaac. This son was to be the the son that would help fulfill the promise made to Abraham, that he would have many, many descendants, as numerous as the stars in the sky. But if Isaac dies, then that promise doesn't get fulfilled. So it doesn't make any sense. But Abraham does what God asks him to do. He places his faith and his trust in God. And at the very last moment, God provides a ram that is sacrificed instead of Isaac. An amazing story of how faith works. But it isn't the first story. It's not even the first story of Abraham's faith going to work. See, because all the way back in Genesis 17, there's another account of when God appears to Abraham. Abraham is 99 years old. God talks with Abraham tells him that he will be the father of many nations. Abraham will have a special place in God's plan. And in response to that, Abraham has the whole household circumcised as, a, as a, an outpouring of thankfulness and setting apart for God. Abraham trusted God and allowed that trust to be accompanied by action. But again, it isn't the first time. Because back in Genesis 12, God appears to Abraham and tells him to leave his country, leave his father's household. Doesn't even tell him where he's going. Just says, go, and I'm going to give you a new land. God will lead you to it. 
Abraham is 75 years old that we read, and he has no hesitation, and he goes. Without having any idea of the future, Abraham puts his, his faith to work and trusts in God. So what's the point? James says, I'm going to give you evidence that faith without works is useless. And then he uses an example that happens at least 30 years after Abraham first responded to God. That when you allow your faith to go to work, it's not just a one and done thing. That it's throughout your life, you continue to put your trust and your faith in God. And you allow your faith to inspire you to act. That you respond to God's call on your life. Abraham had showed his faith in God by his actions throughout his entire life. He allowed his growing faith to go to work. I think it's when we come into a relationship with our Lord Jesus, we know that it is only by grace, mercy, and love that we are able to have that relationship, and it takes faith. Faith which comes as the result of trusting in God. That sort of faith that is emphasized by the Apostle Paul in his letters. You see, nothing that we do can add to our salvation. The good things that we do, it's not like a, we have a tally of the good things that you do and the bad things that you do. It's only through God's amazing grace. Our works or even our lack of works are not going to make us less or more acceptable to God. But the way that our faith shows itself to the world, remember that, that, um, that quote, from Billy Graham, where he says that we are the Bibles that the world reads. How that is presented to the world will continue to grow as we continue our walk with Jesus. And it's interesting that at no point does James say that our workless faith is a sign that you're not saved. That is through God's amazing grace. He doesn't ask what good is a workless faith. He doesn't say workless faith is dead. Workless faith does not show your beliefs. Workless faith is useless. He doesn't use these terms because for James, it's a given that our faith should automatically inspire us and, and transform us to want to act. James is challenging us to not walk around and just say, I have faith. God wants us to continue to grow, become mature in our faith, that we would realize that our faith should inspire us, inspire us that we would want to work with him in furthering the work of the kingdom here and now. James wants us to brutally look at ourselves in the mirror and be brutally honest with ourselves, that when we look at it, when others look at us, do they see our faith having a genuine impact on our lives? or on the world around us, the lives of those that are around us. It's important to note that it's not a case of doing things to prove your faith either. That's important. It's not about trying to do a whole bunch of good things to, 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 to show off. There's many 
scriptures that deal with that kind of behavior, where we find Jesus rebuking a number of people for acting more righteous on the outside than they are on the inside. James wants us to see that faith, a faith that shows itself will continue to grow as we walk with Jesus. The point that is made is that faith must be a working model. Our faith should be the driving force behind why we reach out to those that are less fortunate than ourselves. That we lay a hand to those who are struggling. A faith that works will continue to change us. You see, I remember hearing another illustration about a make-believe country where it was only ducks that lived there. All these ducks on the Sunday came into the church. They waddled to their seats and squatted down. The duck minister stood up on the chancel and he opened the, the duck Bible and he said, ducks, you have wings and with wings you can fly like eagles. You can soar into the sky. Use your wings. And all of the ducks were flapping their wings and they were all shouting, Amen. Amen. All in agreement. Hallelujah. And then when the service finished, one by one, each duck waddled home. God has enabled you and I, just like those ducks, to fly with the eagles. Why would we want to waddle around with the ducks? A faith that works will achieve more as it matures. We don't want to be like the waddling ducks. We want to fly like the eagles. Because see, the thing is, no one expects a first year apprentice carpenter to be able to build a house. But over time, they will develop their skills. They'll get to a point where they are able to do these things. But the thing is, if you say that you are a master builder, as James is saying, if we walk around showing off, well, I have faith. But if we're like a master builder who only fits doorknobs, quite rightly, the world would say, are you sure you're a master builder? You seem to be great at putting doorknobs on. But what else have you done? James says that a working faith will constantly change and evolve as you grow and as you mature, as God gives you that new direction in life. Equally, a faith which works will always be genuine. A working faith doesn't mean that you pretend to be something that you're not, that you try to take on things that are not your passion, not the thing that God has called you to, but you're only taking it on so that you might be seen to be more righteous. We need to be genuine about who we are. God has made us uniquely and sees us as amazing. And we are called to greatness in our Lord Jesus. Don't try and be something that you're not. Allow God to, to transform you into the person he were created to be. 
And as amazing as it is, following Jesus is not just about being saved. There is so much more to it than that. It's about living in the here and now as someone who is saved. That we'd be willing to carry out the Lord's call on our life from Matthew 28 to baptize, make disciples. So it leaves us with a few questions this morning. What and who is God calling you to this morning? Who are the the brothers and sisters that are looking to you for help? We all have a sphere of influence. Who are the people that God has drawn to you? What are the opportunities that are, that are presenting themselves to you to, to help you to grow your faith, that it might grow strong? Have you thought about joining the house groups? What about various Bible studies that are available? Books, prayer meeting, or conversations with other people who might be able to help guide you to things that will be helpful in terms of growing your faith. A reminder this morning from James is this, that faith is so much more than just saying, I have faith. We all have to allow that faith to grow, that it would strengthen, that at the times that it's needed, that it can be put into action, that we have faith that works. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that our salvation is secured in you, that no matter what we do or say, will change that, that it's through your amazing grace and sacrifice that we stand forgiven. We pray that by your Spirit, the faith that is in us would grow and be strengthened, that we wouldn't seek to be something that we're not but that we would fully develop into the person you've created us to be. And that we might be able to place our faith in a a way that, that that is always, always looking to act. We thank you for our fellow brothers and sisters that help us. Might you provide opportunities for us to help them. All this we ask in your precious name. Amen.